0: Hey, welcome back to Season 3 of Rhythms of Grace. I am here with Sung Kim, who's the lead pastor of Grace Church. My name's Nate. I'm the executive pastor of the same church. And uh, we have spent a couple seasons looking at Rhythms of Life. Last season, we, spent, uh, we took kind of a deep dive into the Enneagram. Season 3, we're doing something completely different. Sung, what is, uh, what is, the, what is Season 3 all about? Well, we are
1: going to cover some difficult questions and for this season we're only going to limit it to the New Testament. Okay. The Old Testament is a whole
0: nother animal. It is, man. That's a that's that's down the rabbit hole. That, that, sure. that is.
1: But even with the New Testament um, and thank you for those people who have texted in questions. And if you want to continue to text in any questions, and particularly the New Testament for this season, you could text me at 734-709-5742 and text me your questions, and we'll consider that for the podcast this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, ca- we're the, the larger umbrella and theme that we're going to... Uh, Call this season is no easy
0: answers. Mm-hmm. The new mm-hmm. New Testament edition. Okay, I mean, essentially, what we're saying is that there are things in the Bible that are confusing, yep. or alarming, or offensive, yes. and they raise questions in our mind. Right? If if we're supposed to sort of use the Bible as the foundation by which we make decisions and live our lives and know what we're supposed to do next, there's some s- things in there that you're like, wait, wait a minute. Am I am I supposed to do that? Like, right? Am I really literally supposed to do that? And actually, that's one of the things we're going to look at today. Yeah, we are. Okay. So this actually came from someone who texted you this question. Yeah. And why don't you tell us what the passage was that they were?
1: And they basically asked uh, about uh, a a passage in the Gospel of Mark, which I'm going to uh, refer to the parallel passage in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. So I'm going to read the passage in Matthew, and it says this. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right h- hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose some part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. And and uh, the person who texted just said, "Hey, can you
0: just simply explain this?" Sure. I mean, I would say right out of the gate, I don't, I can't think of anyone in our congregation that has <laughs> gouged out their eye.
1: And I'm sure that's because
0: none of us yeah, have to with, with our eyes. Thankfully, right? we're a part of a perfect church, so. Good for us. No, but honestly, you know, the question is: if this is literal, why, why aren't we all one-handed and one-eyed? Right. And you know, uh, this was this was also
1: a, uh, a a poignant question because as a young teenager, I remember first reading the Bible, and it was this passage that made me think: Well, I guess I'm not. Um, A Christian, Mm. I guess I'm not going to heaven because I know my eye causes me to sin, and there's no way I'm I'm going to gouge it out. Mm. So for my teenage years, um, I just thought, well, I um, I'm just not a good person. Interesting. I don't have the courage to do this, and so you know, and even that thinking led me in my later teen years to just uh, rebellious behavior. And so uh, this this is a hard question. And before we get to that part of the passage, I'm going to go earlier because there's a series of really hard th- statements that Jesus makes. Can you remind me once again where we are? Uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, five. The, the verse that the person asked. Quest- uh, texted about was verse tw- uh, 29 and 30 okay but we're going a we're little gonna, bit early we're gonna bit. go to verse 22 okay. and, and this part was also a kind of a stumbling block for me as a teenager uh it, it says this but i tell you that anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment again anyone who says to a brother or sister raka which uh in aramaic they say is a fool or whatever or, or no like imbecile mm. is answerable to the court and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. And so I have a younger brother. And I, I remember uh, thinking, like, okay, I could call him anything and everything, but I can't, can't call him, Not you that fool. one. <laughs> That's right. right. Yeah. And so what's interesting is this is a series of statements in which Jesus makes the requirements of the law more radical mm. than the letter of the law might indicate. Okay. And uh, so he talks about... Th- here, you know, and so the question here, and this will lay the foundation for the, the, the question that was asked but uh, does calling somebody you fool merit the fires of hell? Right. Like, that seems really severe. Right. We're not going to cover hell, that's a whole nother episode, yeah. maybe two. Yeah. But um, just to understand, this is under the larger umbrella in the passage about murder, which was a capital offense under Israelite law. Mm. So that was basically death penalty, which could not be commuted to monetary fines or anything. And murder, again, here is different than manslaughter. But basically back then, a, a person was brought before the village elders upon the testimony of two or three people, and then they were senten- sentenced to death by stoning, first by the, uh, the witnesses and then by the rest of the villagers. And so I think what Jesus is trying to get here at, and this is really at the core uh, and threads through the, the following passages, is that murderous actions spring from angry thoughts. Mm. And so this is uh, basically the crime of the mind is where it is first committed and where judgment is incurred. And so he says, like, you, look, you could, you, you could say raka, which is like a, a term of derision, is answerable to the court. Um, so uh, an earthly court can take, uh, uh, like, an earthly court could take action on murder. But an earthly court can't take action against any angry thoughts. Right, right. right. But a heavenly one can. Yeah. And so uh, he, he's saying, look if you if you say something uh, wor- you cannot take your words back right And thoughts uh, angry thoughts can be checked mm. and, and if you are made aware of it, you you can harness it, you could temper it you, so it, it doesn't grow out of hand. Mm-hmm. Now I think one thing that's really important is, I think so few of us really understand that behavior does stem from inner desires and thoughts first, hmm. that n- nobody commits adultery, for example, without having had the thoughts months and years yeah. yep. of that in the first place. Yep. You know, it doesn't quote unquote just happen. And so we, we hear this and go, Oh, I could never murder a person. Uh, wh- what Jesus is getting at too, is um, your words, uh said carelessly, could, not only could but oftentimes does incite uh, violent resentment in another person mm-hmm. that might trigger um, behavior or action that just creates a cycle of violence and, and maybe not physical violence, but verbal, emotional. And, and Jesus is trying to say, look, the person saying these words are is just as responsible. Mm-hmm. Because and this happens all time, in in me in my household and, and in the world. Well, 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 um, um, well they did this, or, or they hit me first. Yeah. Well, oftentimes uh, uh, there's something else that incites that action. And again, this sounds really radical, but I think Jesus is trying to get at a point that is really important.
0: So, just to clarify, like. In some ways, this is in contrast to all of the laws of the Old Testament, right? Which were very, and, and he even starts in verse 21 talking about that. You've heard it said, yep. you know, you shall not murder and you'll be subject to judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of like, but then he like takes it a step back and says, anyone who's angry, not, you know, any is angry with their brother or sister is also essentially subject to judgment, yep. So he's moving it from the realm of physical action, which is mm-hmm. where the Old Testament laws were written, yep. kind of taking it a step back to say, you know, like th- we're we're talking about where your thoughts start. Right. Am I I'm I'm right in that. Yes. Like, OK. Yep. Mm-hmm. OK. So uh, I, I think. Um, yeah. So so I guess my question is, like, is he is it ju- is it hyperbole like is he sort of exaggerating to make a point or, you know, as he is he really are our thoughts our sinful thoughts let's say as bad as our sinful actions i don't know that's a weird question but i think that's kind of the heart of what we're talking about yeah yeah i mean there's
1: a an ascending scale of seriousness so for example again it's interesting he says if you're angry with anyone you'll be subject to judgment meaning heavenly judgment Mm -hmm. but if you say uh, again this goes to to angry thoughts can be checked but insults uh, but the insult, uh, uh, but insults, words once spoken can't be recalled. So there's ah, there, there's another level once yeah, it yeah, comes yeah. out, and, and then if you say raka, which is a non-Jewish uh, term, so the the, the a um, a Jewish person would have heard raka as meaning uh, not just l- like uh, it would have been like somebody who rebels against God. Mm. Okay, and and then so then you're you're answerable to the courts like the Sanhedrins, right? And and again, this is a theocratic uh, Israel, the nation of Israel kind of framework. Um, But then he's saying, look, what's even worse than Raqqa is if you say you fool, you're in the in in danger of the fire of hell. Mm -hmm. Now, so whatever Raqqa meant or means. You fool, and it, I don't think it's like you, it's the literal words, you fool. Like if you say, you fool, hmm. well, you're going to hell. Yeah, and, and that's how this passage can be misinterpreted. But somehow you fool is a more serious kind of insult that would incite uh, a cycle of violent actions and behaviors. And, and maybe just a little aside about the fires of hell. And this will be maybe some foundation for the uh, uh, edition where we talk about hell. But the fires of hell, um, usually the word is um, uh, Ge- Gehenna, okay, which was a valley uh, south on the south side of the city of Jerusalem where it served as the city's rubbish dump mm-hmm. and basically public incinerator. And so when, when they talked about uh, Gehenna, which is translated to hell, uh, th- there was a physical place. So when th- it says the fires of Gehenna, mm. like people had an image, and, and it's basically, it be- it's become the symbol of destruction of those who kind of rebel against God, just as the Garden of Eden is a symbol of those uh, kind of enjoying paradise. And th- the seriousness of this word fool This is also the word that Jesus uses later on in the Sermon on on the Mount where it says, uh, it refers to the person who built their house on sand. Mm. They're a fool. Yeah. Their whole life is against God. Mm. Uh, Their their hope and identity is on themselves. And and it's the same word that Jesus uses against religious teachers saying, you fools. So, uh, again, it's how to understand this. It's, it's, again, no easy answer because Jesus— also use this word right to refer to people religious leaders and people who build their lives on something else other than him and so again i think it's really more about the guilty process starts internally yeah and uh, um and if it's not killed off as soon as the thinker becomes aware of it um and although no earthly court may be in position to make judgment it
0: will be hell against him in the heavenly courts, and it will lead to destruction. Yeah. You, know, you know what it makes me think of? is, uh, So I, I used to work in the financial industry, and one of the things that happened while I was working in the financial industry was the Bernie Madoff uh, yeah. scandal, where he essentially created a Ponzi scheme and fleeced people out of literally millions and billions of dollars. And I remember reading an article about that that says nobody starts an endeavor like this with the goal of making it a Ponzi scheme where essentially you're uh, fleecing people out of money. Usually what happens is that someone will start some sort of an investment strategy and it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And so their initial sort of justification is, well, I just need to make it look, I just need to make it look right until this strategy works the way that I know it will. right? And they do. that's like a reasonable in their minds compromise to say, look, I, I know this is going to work. I just needed to buy myself a little bit of time. And then as it goes on they get themselves deeper and deeper in the hole, suddenly all the things that they need to do to sort of cover up that small falsehood and then you get a larger one and a larger one and suddenly you have something or maybe not even suddenly over months or years you have yourself you know sort of perpetuating uh, uh you know fraud on this Gigantic scale where right. I mean, Madoff had tons of employees involved, and he's like falsifying records, and you know, it's like this huge, huge, massive thing, but that is never how it starts. Right. And that's really sort of the process that Jesus is talking about here. Mm-hmm. saying, like, look, it, like everybody knows that stealing billions of dollars is wrong, <laughs> right? right? But it, that's not where it starts. If that's where we draw the line there's all of these things that happen before that that result in that and that is where he's trying to draw people's attention
1: yeah and and, and i think we don't recognize that it starts with greed and envy yeah. on the inside yeah i i think likewise too how many times have we heard people in the setting of our church just say like well I, i'm just working 78 80 hours yeah. just to make it through yep and how many times have we seen months and years later, they will say to me, Song, my life is a literal hell. Yeah. yeah. And again, like you think of the words of Jesus, like when they say that, they're not saying, like, well, their they're life, they're, they're somehow cast down to hell, mm-hmm. as much as they're saying they are experiencing the devastation of what began as a small seed on the inside. Mm-hmm. And so that's just something to consider. Uh, Again, like, I appreciate one person who texted and and asked a really hard question, actually uh, about hell, which we'll get to eventually, but... Uh, she said, you know, I, I don't expect you to answer all of my questions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A- and uh, again, this this isn't to wrap everything up with a pretty bow and say, there it is. Now it's all figured out uh, again a- as much as, hey, here are some clues and things to
0: consider. Well, I mean, that's that's exactly th- what I think of when I look at this, because like you said, the example was. Jesus said, anybody who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. And then he did that himself in referring (laughs) to other people, right? So you're like, okay, so that's not as cut and dry. It's not, you know. um, But also, uh, you know, just realizing that there are, we talked about this in season one, there are seasons where you do have to make hard choices, where you do have to, let's, you know, to take your previous example, where you do have to work extra hard right. or prioritize one thing over mm-hmm. another. And and so it's, 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 it's not as easy as saying, yeah. like, oh, well, if you do this, then six years later it will look like this. It's right. just not that cut and dry. But I think Jesus is sort of giving a warning, like, hey, see the progression. Like, keep your eyes on the progression not just sort of this line that we all kind of agree is way out there, right. if you stab somebody, yeah, you deserve judgment, <laughs> uh, but he pulls it way back to say now are you are you angry right? Are you angry like that is where murder starts, yeah um so it's a it, yeah, it's tricky there's a there's a ton of discernment and evaluation that's required, yeah, yeah. And, and even though that anger may not ever manifest
1: into physical external murder, uh, I mean. Uh,
0: certainly there is murderous resentment yeah. in the person's heart. Yeah. I mean, when we were, when our kids were very young, you know, there's always like bad words that your kids aren't supposed to say. One of the things that we never allowed them to say was, I, I hate you. Mm. And there, I think there are lots of parents who are familiar with that. Like there's a certain age, young elementary or whatever, where kids start to say that is like the ultimate, like, you know, you can't have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with the crust cut off. I hate you. Yeah. You know, like it starts and it's kind of like, all right, they don't really know what that means. But we were very, very firm at the very, at the youngest ages. Hate is not something because hate actually does mean, and I think Jesus demonstrates this. Hate, true hate means you wish the other person was dead. Mm-hmm. And so a uh, sort of. Putting that in our kids' minds at the very beginning. Like, that is what that word means. It's not just that you're angry. It's not just that you're upset. Hate is wishing death on someone else. And so we're not going to let our brains or our mouths or our relationships even start down that track. And that's been really, we have kids that really love each other and get along. And I'm not saying that's because of that. But again, that was us trying to address the beginning of that journey, not just saying, don't punch your sister, right? You know, like that's a line that we all know, right? Um,
1: and with children, maybe it's more evident. But how many times have we seen kids who, as they strike uh, their sibling or their one of their parents, say, "I hate you." Yeah. And so the feeling, the internal thoughts and feelings, manifest yep. in outward action. Yeah. And again, I, I would say if you're hearing this and go, "Oh, that would never be me," that that's the the very point where you have to be really careful. Uh, and let me use that to transition into the next part that's going to eventually lead to us gouging out our eyes. Oh, boy. But um, adultery in the heart, verse 28, as Jesus goes on, he says, I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so another example of Jesus making the law, uh, his his new covenant law, more stringent by carrying its application back from the outward act Mm -hmm. to the inward thought and desire. And so the Old Testament says in, in the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, you shall not commit adultery. So basically that forbids sexual relations with another man's wife. And back then, that too was a capital offense, uh, warranting the death penalty, which is still true in some parts of the Middle East. Mm. Although that seems so radical and so harsh to our Western uh, uh, senses, um, it's still true still in the world today in some parts. And so Jesus traces adultery back to the lustful glance and thoughts uh, of your heart. And it's there that the rot starts. And if go if it goes unchecked will manifest maybe not in adultery but in a lot of other mm-hmm. dark things and so if a th- if the thought's cherished even internally he's saying you've broken the law yeah so uh, you know you, as a husband or wife you could say i i've never committed adul- adultery right well, well and again and when i have conversations with spouses they'll say that and, and they'll clarify well at least you know externally yeah but we've we've Talk to people who, you know, we've talked about emotional affairs. Absolutely. And even before emotional affairs, there are affairs of the heart that yeah. are never seen by yep. anyone or yep. engaged with anyone else. Yeah, Or
0: even like the, the sort of dramatic rise in pornography yep. where people are like, hey, it's private, it's personal, I'm not hurting anyone. Right. What Jesus is saying is that starts a process that starts, like you said, a rot in your relationship that unchecked will eventually be the line that we all know we shouldn't cross. Yeah. Uh, actual like actually you know pursuing a physical relationship outside of marriage yeah
1: and i think what jesus is trying to get here too is um to treat any woman as a sex object or or in in our culture for to treat anybody Mm -hmm. to objectify anybody and not treat them as a person in their own right is sinful mm-hmm. because when you lust that's what you're doing yeah you're objectifying the person versus truly loving the person which uh, again jesus words here would contradict any uh, teenage boy who's like oh i love you so much i just want to sleep with you yeah you know
0: <laughs> yeah yeah well because and again like there's a clear difference there where, where you know gazing at someone lustfully like jesus said is essentially evaluating what can I get from that person? Mm-hmm. What sort of what sort of pleasure or titillation can I get from that person? Yeah, and love is the opposite, right? Love is what what can I give? And so again, he's just drawing these lines, saying mm-hmm. like, look, it's not simply about this where we end up. This it's it, there's a path in your mind that divides. Yeah, and are you seeing other people as resources to be used right. and taken for your pleasure? Or are you seeing people? Are you seeing them as people? people? And again, that's one of the biggest issues with pornography, right? It's like sort of the ultimate objectification yeah. of of another person. Um, and Jesus is kind of saying, like, look, the the the, the path begins, you know, with that first gl- with that first glance.
1: Right. Yeah. So here's a question: um, Before we go on to the gouging out your eye and cutting off your hand, can um, a man commit adultery with his own wife.
0: Oh, <laughs> I, I it's a, uh. Can a man commit adultery with his own wife? This feels like a feels a like trick a, like a riddle or something. <laughs> what have I got in my pockets? Um, uh, I so do. Th- I think that there are definitely ways that a man can view his wife Mm -mm. as an object. And I think that there are definitely ways that a man can, uh, like see his wife primarily as something for his pleasure or a resource to use. I don't know if I would call that adultery. Mm. Uh, so I'm not sure. Yeah, no, and I think basically what
1: you're saying is is right. right? And, and I think even in let's say sexual intercourse, the intent is, is to delight the other person mm-hmm. in a selfless uh, act of love, mm-hmm. and, and in doing that, uh, you, you, you're both um, uh, get to experience the the sliver of the kind of the glory, the 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 love the enjoyment that um, is ours in in a uh, relationship with God and what we'll experience in the new heavens and new earth. But like you said, I, I do think there are ways that um, either spouse can really objectify mm-hmm. for their own means and their own purposes and yeah. ends. And some theologians would actually say that you could commit adultery with your own wife, huh. including John Pope, Uh, uh, Pope John Paul II. Really, but again, yeah, again, it's it's uh, it's neither here nor there. But I I just want to throw that out to say, is that possible? And I think even for married folks to consider, like, yeah, what is the nature of your relationship? Um, that you may think well uh, uh, I'm fine I've never committed adultery well mm-hmm. yeah, but there may be ways that you are objectifying not even in the sexual act but even in in relationships yeah. and in conversation yeah
0: and instead of seeing them as a, as a, a, a like as a whole person right right you sort of like n- create a two-dimensional image of mm-hmm. that individual yeah. that is purely sort of for your convenience or pleasure yeah
1: I mean just last night, uh, our family went out to a dinner to celebrate Amy's birthday. I was tired. Micah was tired. And, and the thing about Micah is he, sometimes he has a hard time trying to decide what he wants to get. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of our tiredness, I got really upset with him. I'm like, you just got to pick something. And he kept asking questions. Well, is, do you get this and that? And I'm like, Micah, this is this. and th- <laughs> this. Just do something. Mm-hmm. And again, even in that, like I didn't call him fool. Right. Uh, I, I, you know, But, but what, what's on the inside? anger you are inconveniencing me like why don't you just get it right and right there the the guilt starts internally Mm. um and so again there's another example now all this said now you may hear this and go oh my goodness like who of us, yeah? What hope do we have? <laughs> well, and again, this is why, uh, a, a, as, as followers of Jesus and, and as Christians, the, the hope is in the good news of Jesus, right? And, and I think the acknowledgement that we don't have it in ourselves to be good and perfect, and so we are all gonna fail. So, um, that said, just you know, just so you, it doesn't sound like we're just a bunch of downers, right? So, right. now to the part where, um if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And again, I think all the previous passages really lead up to this. And uh, basically, Jesus is saying, don't let your eye. Uh, there's there's various ways that, that uh, different translations phrase this. Um, And I don't remember which translation says it this way, but I think one of the best ways to help, that's helpful to understand this is basically it says, don't let your eye lead you to sin. Hmm. Um, And if it does, you have to take radical action. Mm -hmm. So it it, it is figurative to say like. That's comforting, by the (laughs) way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not to rest too long on any object of temptation. And it's interesting that this passage um, in Matthew it comes right after the passage on adultery. Mm. And so um, you think of King David, who committed d- adultery with Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, and it began with a look. Yeah,
0: a seeing look. her bathing yeah. kind of from his rooftop.
1: Yeah, and, and that look uh, became a stare, mm-hmm. and, and so on. And so... Um, uh, again, we use, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like exaggerate hi- hyperbole yeah. all the time, you know, like, Oh, I'm so hungry. I, uh, I, I could die. Yeah. You know, I'm starving to death. Yeah. I'm starving to yeah. death. Uh, uh, I said that yesterday, right before dinner, like, Oh, I'm starving to death. Yeah. Uh, again, like, is that why you were mad at Micah for I, taking I, so long? I was hangry. You were hangry in I a was hangry. Yeah. And I just wanted our food to come. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, th- th- that's uh, the th- the hard thing to understand about the Bible. And you'll hear this over and over again with each uh, um, s- thing that we do is we are talking about a very different culture mm. than our Western culture. Uh, thousands of years in the past, uh, things will seem very strange, mm. weird, different, primitive. Um but it's really understanding the context of it that will help us understand. And so just like we say things like, well, my, man, I'm just starving to death. Again, imagine like an alien from another planet coming yeah. and going like.
0: TikTok <laughs> is, what the heck is TikTok? <laughs> right. This makes no sense.
1: And so in in reading scripture, like you you, you need to come with that kind of awareness. Instead yeah. of putting our 21st century Western eyes on it, we, we need to
0: dig deeper and go, what's going on here? Well, one of the things that strikes me about the, you know, based on what we've already built um, in terms of our discussion is that really the, an eye causing you to sin or leading you in, you know, to sin, that is really, that's again, Jesus sort of talking about um, sort of the end result. Like now there's an action associated Um, or it's somewhere in the middle, but really, there's so many things that happen in your brain, and you've made all these decisions. If you're at the point where your eyes are, where you're doing sinful things with your eyes, mm-hmm. lots of things have already come before that. Right decisions that you've made, thoughts you've entertained, mm-hmm. um, and so I think part of what Jesus is saying is like, look, if we are at this point, we are already on a road it, this isn't the first step right you know like gazing gazing lustfully um is not the first step in this journey mm-hmm. you've sort of positioned yourself or you or like with king david you're in a spot you're not supposed to be you know he's on his rooftop and he's you know, part of that story is that it was in spring when kings go to war. Yeah. And instead of being there, he was home on his rooftop, just like checking out a woman bathing. Like yeah. he, he he had already he was already on an unhealthy road. Yeah. And I think that's part of what Jesus could be emphasizing here. Simply like by the time your eye is gazing lustfully, mm-hmm. we're already on a journey. And so a drastic action is required.
1: Right. Right. And it can't be just like, well, it's the, just this one time. Yeah like you were talking about, uh, um, what's his face? Uh, Bernie. Oh yeah. Bernie made yeah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause that, that uh, C.S. Lewis says, um, the road to hell, uh, meaning it's just destruction and all that it is paved with good intentions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I think that's the warning for us. And that's also the invitation as, as you, as we as you find, as you receive the good news of Jesus that, um, you know, you now are empowered by the Spirit to take that action so that uh, your, sin, your, heart, your, your eyes and your hand don't lead you to sin.
0: So can we, I mean, we've been talking for quite a while, but there's, there's another part of this that for me I, I think I want to address, and, and which is the issue of temptation. Because, you know, I mean, I just remember a recent conversation I had where I was like, look, like, like temptation, we can't stop temptation. Right. Right. And so there's got to there's some sort of for me like fuzzy line between being tempted mm-hmm. versus the, some some of the sins that Jesus describes. Right. How, how do we begin to like sort of like part that out?
1: You know, uh, yeah, that's a good question and uh, I think just to be clear, temptation is not disobedience. Yeah. T- and it's not sin. T- temptation is not sin. Every one of us will be tempted and so Uh, You walk down, you're driving down the sidewalk and you see an attractive person, woman, man, whatever, like that's temptation. Uh, And I think it does require intentional radical action to, because I think God created us to be be captured by beauty. Mm. Uh, But where that goes wrong is uh, the
0: beauty of this world is tainted. Yeah. I mean, here, here's another perfect example. If you make a mistake at work, yeah. there like you're you you will be tempted to try to cover that mistake mm-hmm. instead of taking ownership. Yeah, yeah. Abs- and and that sort of initial sort of I don't know if you can hear my snap. That sort of initial impulse to be like I must hide this mistake. Yeah. That's temptation, yeah. and that's not a sin. Right. It's what you kind of do after that right. that begins to take us down the road. Yeah. Yeah. So we might say that temptation is like at the very beginning. It's almost in some ways sort of the fork in the road where this journey that Jesus is talking about begins. Would that be Would that be fair? Yeah, and, okay. and then
1: your action or inaction or, or the, which path you take mm-hmm. leads you to either the righteousness
0: that God wants or
1: the unrighteousness that he doesn't want. Yeah,
0: yeah. I guess it's also helpful, uh I mean again, there's just so many nuances here. There's so many nuances here that I've heard people talk about like, Oh, well, I was tempted, you know, by so legitimately I had a, a good friend of mine who was a recovering heroin addict and and he I witnessed him relapse several times. Mm-hmm. Um and for him, like he would talk about it as like temptation. But in my mind, I was always like, are we already, like, if you're already, like, on your dealer's street, like, (laughs) is this temptation or did the temptation happen, you know, so we just, we have to be aware of that. We have to be aware of how we might be potentially trying to justify uh, a sinful behavior, calling it temptation, so it's kind of in a more comfortable place for us. Yeah. So a lot of nuances there. Again, no easy answers.
1: Yeah. One last thing, I will. Uh, I'm looking this up because it just reminded me uh, of what you were just saying. Um, uh, shoot, let me. It, on temptation, it, it's a. It's like a poem uh, by Portia Nelson, and if I could pull it up. Mm. I will read it for us. It might be a good way to close, but I might not be able to. Okay.
0: Um, As you're looking for it, can you give us some ideas of what we what are some of the other questions we might be tackling oh, in the coming weeks? Yeah.
1: So uh, there's already questions about hell, yeah. which we've talked a little bit about today. Uh, there are other things in, in Jesus' words uh, that are controversial or hard to understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of which uh, we I've actually recently talked about in a sermon, but yeah, like, like if
0: no, if you hate your mother, hate mother, your parents, yeah. like w-
1: what does that mean?
0: Yeah,
1: like well, <laughs> I already hate them, so I'm obeying God,
0: right? <laughs> some people are like done and done. I'm going to heaven, baby. Yeah. I can't stand my parents. But Jesus, you know, some
1: sometimes people will say I don't get the Old Testament, but Jesus, he's, he, you know, Jesus is about love, mm. he, and he is. But he man, he says some really hard things. How about I
0: I didn't come to bring peace, but the sword. Yeah,
1: but the sword. That, I'm, I'm, that's uh, a tough one man uh, yeah and and he comes to you know divide brother against sister yeah. mother and it's it's really hard and then there are some words of Paul mm-hmm. you know uh in our day and age Paul is seen as kind of a um misogynist yeah I think there are cultural realities that we just don't really see yeah. um, until we uncover some. So of we're going
0: to be looking at any of these, right? Yeah. And I will say again, Sung mentioned it at the beginning of the of the episode. But if you have one of these things that you want us to tackle, please send it over. We would love to have a list of actual questions that that we can uh, we can dig through. Yeah.
1: Again, uh, I, I found I found the poem. I'll read the poem and then give my phone number, my cell phone. No, I'm sorry, my. It is. Don't call me, please. <laughs> I'm not going to pick up. You can text me. Uh, here's the poem by Portia Nelson. I think that really, uh, as followers of Jesus, I think this is what the, the Spirit empowers us to do. Uh, here it is in four sh- very short chapters. Chapter one, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. But it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It is a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Oh, actually, one more chapter, chapter five.
0: I walk down another street. Mm. Yeah, there you go. That's like taking like temptation yep. to a choice. Yeah. Well, that's great, Sung. Thank you so much for being with us again uh, on this episode of Rhythms of Grace. Looking forward to a great season full of questions, stories, and no easy answers. And no easy <laughs> answers.